Blog Talk Radio. Blingy greetings. It's your Bling to National Diva, confident Miss Bling, and I am blingy. Ah, so excited. Okay, I am blinging the airwaves today with NASA's own Raymond French, and he's going to call in and talk to us about the LDSD experiment, okay? It was very, very, very crazy how I came up on this experiment. I was looking at the sky, and I thought I saw UFOs, and I was Googling UFOs in Huntsville, Alabama, and then I came up on a website. I was doing some research, trying to find out what it was that I saw in the sky. It was real weird, but I ended up talking to someone from NASA, and I explained to them what I saw, and they kind of broke it down for me, saying that that's not what I saw. And then uh, we came up on this opportunity to actually interview with Raymond so that he can tell me about the LDSD experiment. Um, a lot of great things have happened from this point with that. So I'm just, I just want to tell you, you guys also, if you were not there at the NASA on the Square, it was a really great event in downtown Huntsville this weekend. Thank you to Molly and Kim uh, for inviting me out had a ball. I had a great time. I did some experiments. I I took some pictures on top of some Mars dirt uh, and gravel. And it was just, it was amazing. It was amazing. I had a really nice time. Um, I did take pictures. I will be posting the blog uh, sometime this week. I may go ahead and do it after we finish the show and, you know, just go ahead and post it so you can find it. And that will be on blingradioshow.com and go to the blog link and you'll see it there. So um, it may be up later on tonight. I am going to take a moment to pause for the calls. First, let me tell you about the weather here in Huntsville, Alabama. It's 103 with the heat index. So I am in the bling lab today. I didn't step outside. I only opened the door to get the mail, and then I came back in because it was extremely hot. Um, But Raymond French will be up soon, so um, go ahead and turn your radios up, and he's going to tell us about the LDSD experiment right here on the Bling Radio Show. This is Dave Hollister and Selena Johnson with Harmony. We'll give you some sweet music to listen to before Raymond comes on the show and Bling the Airways with us. (laughs) All right, Bling Radio. Beautiful, beautiful song by our guest Raymond French is here on the line. Raymond, 
Yes, good evening. How are you? Hi, how are you? I'm great. How are you? Doing real well, doing real well. Thank you. Great, great, great. We were waiting for you to arrive. I had to give them a snippet of some of the new music that just came out this week. And um, I'm so excited to have you on the line so that you can tell us about this LDSD experiment. Um, as I introduced you already, your name is Raymond French, but go ahead and tell us your um, title, and then we can go into what the project is all about. Okay. Um, yeah, I am the uh, deputy manager for the technology um, demonstration missions program uh, here at the Marshall Space Flight Center in Huntsville, Alabama. And um, the LDSD is one of seven projects that we currently have in our, our portfolio of technology demonstrations. Okay. Okay. And, and can you break down what the LDSD experiment means? Uh, it, it, LDSD, it stands for uh, um, Low Density Supersonic Decelerator, and it uh, is basically, it, it's a vehicle platform that we host a number of uh, potential uh, future Mars uh, deceleration technologies, inflatable technologies, that we use to okay. test those to see how they actually perform. Okay. Okay. And the way that I came up on this was um, my sister and I was seeing something in the sky, and it was like, I don't know, first it was one big bright light that we would see every night, and it'll just disappear and come back and disappear and come back. So we're like, what on earth is that? Because we don't think stars do that. We didn't know what it was. Um, and I've grabbed the interest of other people that I know trying to figure out what this was in the sky. I said, okay, I know what to do. I'm going to call NASA. And I'm going to find out what's going on in the sky. If nobody can tell us, they can. <laughs> and so when I, <laughs> so I went to, well, that one night, my sister and I were driving, and we saw it. It was like three lights this time. And she said, you know what, we're going to sit here and figure this out. I said, okay. And so we looked up UFOs in Huntsville, Alabama. But guess what kept coming up? The LDSD experiment. Uh, let me read about this and see what this is and see what it means. And then that's when I found Kim. And that's when I called and talked to her. <laughs> yeah, she's here and with Kim, me, by the way. Hey, Kim. <laughs> hey, hey, Siobhan. How's it going? Fine, fine, fine. So Kim, Kim basically told me that we weren't seeing UFOs, which was a relief. I still don't know what it was to today so maybe somebody can tell me something <laughs> but um the LDSD experiment kept coming up and Kim has got Raymond to come on so that he can tell us about this experiment and, and everything so um if you want to go ahead and start telling us um who created the LDSD experiment well the the experiment itself uh the project uh, was developed by the Jet Propulsion Laboratory in uh, in California, and that was done for NASA. It's one of NASA's projects. Like I say, it's one of the ones in our portfolio. Uh, and okay. that uh, started back in, uh, I think, early 2011. Okay. Okay. And and what was the purpose for it? Why was it created? Okay, the, the the whole purpose behind the development of the project and the experiments themselves 
is to test uh, promising uh, supersonic inflatable uh, deceleration devices for use in in future uh, missions to Mars, both for uh, robotic class uh, missions as well as uh, potentially human precursor uh, missions where we'd be landing um, uh, supplies and things on the Martian surface. Okay, cool, cool. And where is the LS, well, I almost called it LSD. <laughs> that's that, yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> where was the LDSD experiment launched and tested first? <clears throat> well, there were a series of ground tests uh, at the China Lake Naval Facility in California where these were tested in a subsonic environment on a on a big uh, sled uh, a test rig that was that was built there at China Lake, and then once they were reasonably comfortable with the level of testing that they had done there, they were uh, the the technologies the the SIAD and we'll get to that a little bit later I think as well, and the parachute okay. integrated onto the test vehicle that that Jet Propulsion Laboratory developed, and <clears throat> that was taken that was all shipped to Hawaii. Uh, the first time was last summer, last June, and July. Okay. And again, this uh, this past uh, a few week a couple of weeks ago, um, and so all the hardware was taken there, and it's a it's a balloon launch uh, from the Pacific Missile Range facility there in on on the island of Kauai in Hawaii, and the uh, okay. the balloon launches it from the from the ground, takes it up to uh, to an altitude where it's dropped, and then they light a uh, solid rocket motor that takes it up to the speed and altitude uh, at which they want to test these uh, these various uh, inflatable technologies. That is amazing. That is amazing. Okay, and then uh, one of the other questions that I have for you was when will the LDSD experiment go, go into space? Well, the experiment itself will not go into space. These, okay. these flights... Uh, last year and and this, this a few weeks ago, are testing it. We don't have wind tunnels big enough to test this technology in a supersonic environment, so we have to go up okay. into of our stratosphere, which is what the balloon and the solid rocket motor do, to get up to supersonic conditions that simulate what we might see at Mars. And so as far as the experiment goes, that's as far as we'll be taking it. And if the technologies prove out the way we expect them to, they could find themselves being integrated into uh, future Mars operational missions that would allow us to land uh, heavier payloads uh, onto the surface of Mars and on a wider range of the Martian surface, including higher uh, altitudes than we're currently able to go to with current technology. Okay, okay, cool. And then uh, one of the other questions that I had for you was how does this affect us or um, how does this benefit us here on Earth? Well, as with uh, with many NASA uh, projects and other other governmental projects, there are often spin-off technologies that come out of of the technology that we develop that aren't always um, known or identified um, uh, ahead of time, and and so someone finds a new or innovative use for something we've developed in order to solve one of our technical problems. So there, there's certainly potential for uh, innovation coming out of that. And it, it's also possible that these technologies, though they're targeted for uh, the Martian environment, 
they may be used to perhaps deorbit satellites or uh, things needing to come back from the space station to help decelerate them down to, to levels where we might be able to bring them back to the ground safely. Okay, okay. And um, getting a just a tidbit off of the subject, because you just mentioned something about space stations. Um, can you explain to um, the listeners what the space station um, is? Because a lot of people have seen that I registered because I posted it on my Facebook page that I registered to see when, you know, the space, space, space station will be visible here in Huntsville and, you know, I encourage others to, you know, see when it'll be in their area. Can you tell them a little bit about the space station? Well, I mean, it's it's the uh, the largest orbiting space station that has been flown. It's a multinational endeavor. Uh, there's a number of international partners that have been involved in the development, construction, and operation of the space station. Uh, though the primary operation centers at um, in in Houston, um, Texas, at the Johnson Space Center. Okay. And Marshall has an operations center where we uh, um, manage and operate the payloads, the scientific payloads that fly on the uh, on the space station as well. So it is an orbiting laboratory. They do a lot of experiments uh, on board to uh, see how things operate in uh, in microgravity, and it is also okay. a proving ground. It's also a proving ground for the human spaceflight uh, part of the program to understand the effects of long duration of human spaceflight. Okay. Okay, great. Thank you so much for breaking that down for us because people was like, what is the space station? I'm like, just go and see when you'll be able to see it in your area. <laughs> it's it's um, very bright. When, it, when, it's, when it's in view, it's the second brightest object in the sky. Okay. After and, the moon. and I'm wondering, yeah, I'm wondering if that's what that was that I saw. Um, because I, I know it said 10.09, but I, what I saw was like maybe like 9.30. So is it when it is supposed to be in the area, is it on time? Do you know? Uh, yeah, generally within um, a couple minutes, the orbital period that it follows is, is pretty regular. It, it's entirely possible if the sun was catching another satellite and reflecting off of it, it's quite possible that, that that's what you saw as well. Oh, okay. So that's Great what you're info. When you see the space station and it's all bright and lit up, that's reflection of sunlight, uh, much like the moon and, and other things that you see. Um, it's it's reflection of sunlight off the uh, off the, the space station. So it, it it does reflect off of other spacecraft if they're big enough and happen to be oriented in the right direction. Okay, okay. Well, thanks for breaking that down for me as well. Um, we were concerned here in Huntsville. Uh, <laughs> I have people um, <laughs> on edge trying to find out what's going on in the sky. Thanks for breaking that down for us. I appreciate that. I'm going to make sure they listen. So they, I'm like, I'm going to let you hear what Raymond said. I don't know if I'm going to be able to repeat everything he said verbatim. So go click on the link and listen. But <laughs> back Back to the LDSD experiment. What did it take to build this? What material uh, um, does it consist of? Well, <laughs> um, it consists of a lot of materials. I mean, it's it's a fairly complex uh, vehicle and set of technologies that have um, a number of, of contributing participants uh, across the country. But from a uh, materials perspective, <coughs> excuse me, 
the 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 test vehicle itself that is is the foundation for testing the technologies is primarily made out of of composites composite materials okay. it, it, believe it or not for the environment it sees the aero shell is made out of cork about a half an inch hmm. of cork if i recall uh which is actually a very good insulator and the environment ldsd tends to see is not very high in a heating environment but it does provide us with the other environments that we're looking to replicate um the parachute is primarily made out of nylon uh which is similar to most other parachutes and uh, kevlar okay. reinforced because of the severe environment that it does see in a in a supersonic uh flow field uh it is reinforced with with kevlar as well the uh, the sides are made out of um, one of them is Technora, uh, is a fabric. They're like I said, they are all flexible. <clears throat> okay. And uh, at least one of them is made out of Technora, and I apologize, I don't recall the material that the uh, that the other uh, one is made out of. And, and just to let you know, oh. a side. Tell them what a SIAD is. Yeah, I guess we didn't get I, I did explain what, what LDSD stood for. Um, SIAD stands for Supersonic uh, Inflatable Aerodynamic Decelerator. And so it's kind of a generic term for uh, inflatable devices, um, in this case, that go around a vehicle being different from a, a parachute. Okay. Okay. And, and I did see that when I looked at the fact sheet on NASA.gov for the LS, the LDSD experiment and uh, one of the other questions I had about the SIAD was what is the difference between the SIAD R and the SIAD E? Okay, the the SIAD R uh, as I alluded to, <clears throat> excuse me, earlier refers to the robotic class of of SIADs. It's a little bit smaller okay. and its ability to scale up to larger sizes is somewhat limited. They both inflate in in similar manner, but the the SIADR inflates using things like um, airbag uh, gas generators that that are in your car. It uses a similar technology. <coughs> Excuse me. But when it mm -hmm. inflates, it inflates as a as a rigid body, um, not okay. quite pretty rigid. The um, the SIAD E is is uh, refers to the exploration class of of SIADs. And though it inf its initial inflation is very similar to the SIAD R, it is it is not a rigid structure. It um, it has air inlets, ram air inlets that take on the incoming flow after the initial inflation from the gas generators that keep the SIAD inflated. But it's not inflated rigidly. It, it's allowed to flex with the flow with the aerodynamic flow that goes around it, the supersonic flow, and it it has the ability to scale up to much larger sizes and enable heavier, uh, yet heavier payloads to be landed on the uh, surface of Mars. Okay. Okay, great, great. And um, one of the other questions about what it takes to build the LDSD is how long did it take to actually build this uh, LDSD? Well, the, the project was begun uh, back in 2011 uh, with the preliminary design um, and the design fabrication and some of the testing that I alluded to at uh, China Lake, some of the ground testing of the technologies and what have you, has been underway since 2011. And we had our first okay. flight last <clears throat> year, uh, you know, in 2014. So a little over three years to get from initial development stages to uh, to first flight. 
Wow. Wow. Okay, and, and by this being the second experimental test flight, what was the result from the first test flight, and why is it a second one being launched before it's taken um, to the next level? Well, the the second one actually was the, the next level, but the, the first one, okay. uh, we actually instrumented the vehicle to take the first ever high-speed, high-resolution imagery and video of a supersonic parachute being deployed uh, and inflated in the in that in that um, very harsh supersonic uh, environment, and so in in okay. analyzing the first flight, they learned a lot about what we didn't previously understand from that environment because we didn't have any data um, that would inform us as to how those things perform <clears throat> in that in that very highly dynamic environment. And so the lessons that were learned from the first flight on how the parachutes behave were some of those lessons were, were like I said, they were taken and applied to the second parachute to try and strengthen it in, in some areas where they knew they had some weaknesses and to try and improve the overall design and performance of the parachute for the second flight, which is what we had a couple of weeks ago. Okay, okay. Thank you, thank you. And is it possible that it will be a third go-round for the LDSD? Um, experiment. Yes, there currently there is a a third flight <clears throat> planned for the vehicle and the technologies. Okay. What we're doing right now is we're assessing um, the data that we got back from the second flight to understand the environment and see what changes might need to be made to support a third flight if if we do continue to do that. Okay, and you don't have a tentative date for when that may be. Would it be like sometime this year or maybe 2016? <clears throat> you know, it would be it would be in the summer of 2016. Our flight opportunities out of Hawaii, both um, in being supported by the the Navy base operations because they have to be able to support the the range operations, as well as the weather conditions, pretty much okay. limit us flying in June or July of 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 each summer. Okay, great, great. And one other thing, a couple of other things that I needed to know about the LDSD experiment was what is the what is the Viking program and how does it compare to the LDSD experiment? Okay, the Viking program was the the, the first program to actually send landers to the Martian surface. Um, the, okay. the first program. Mariner, where they were doing some of the observation to figure out where they might want to land and things like that. But Viking was an actual science mission to, or series of science missions to the to the Martian surface to explore okay. the, the first ex ever exploration of the Martian surface. LDSD is is really just it's trying to prove out new technologies that would further enhance our capability to land more mass and and at higher altitudes like i said at the martian surface so it's really it, it it's almost a little bit of apples and oranges one was an actual series of science missions this is a technology demonstration to flesh out the technology needs um, that would support future missions great 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 okay so it's I'm just so amazed by what I see when I look at the the photo online. I was like, what on earth is this? <laughs> I, I was trying to figure out what it was, and, and this is why my, I was always told if I don't know what something is, to ask questions. And so that's what I ended up doing, and this is why we're here today. 
And um, one of the other things I wanted to ask you was like how how big is the actual um, test vehicle? Um, I'm yeah, I'm I'm thinking in metric units because that's what we what we tend to to use. Um, okay. The, the vehicle itself, the test vehicle, which, and this is may of why it came up when you did UFO searches and things, it's kind of been referred to in the media as a saucer because it kind right. of looks like a saucer. Um, though it doesn't fly horizontally like a saucer does. It, it You know, when you see a, a UFO pictures of those, it actually flies um, in a different orientation. But it, it is very uh, saucer-shaped, and I think that may be why, you, why when you were looking for it, it came up in references to the, to the UFOs. But the, the vehicle okay. itself is, is 4.7 meters in diameter, which is roughly 15 feet, give or take. The okay. SIAD-R, and it's inflated around the, the core uh, test vehicle, is six meters. Okay. So that's an, another three and a half or four feet. And then okay. the SIAD, excuse me, the SIAD-E is, a, is, at least the one that we will be testing, is about eight meters. So about 24, 25 feet in diameter. The parachute, okay. uh, the parachute that's being flown here is approximately twice as large as the parachute that was used to go to Mars on the, the Mars Science Laboratory mission that landed the Curiosity rover a couple of years ago. Okay. okay. <clears throat> this parachute is 33 meters in diameter, which is roughly 100 feet, and that's twice wow. as big. And that is some of the, the, the challenges in scaling up to um, soft parachute-type goods at that large a scale is, is very, very difficult. And has not been done. That the, the parachute that we flew is the largest supersonic parachute that has, has uh, ever been flown. Wow. Wow. And and with that being that big, how much does this weigh? Vehicle, 7,000. Yeah, the whole vehicle is 7,000 pounds uh, with all of the wow. electronics and the solid rocket motor and all of the technologies. But the technologies themselves, and I apologize, I don't know what each of them weigh, but one of the, the reasons why I'm looking at, at inflatables is because they are very lightweight. Um, and okay. so they are lightweight and smaller alternatives to using, say, a, a fixed aero brake of a, of a larger size. Okay. And okay, great. Go ahead, Kim. Well, I was just I was just telling Ray to expound upon the reason we would need lighter weight um, technologies is because we can carry more mass to where we're going. So we want more more useful mass right. as opposed to just use it carrying the things that are going to slow you down. You can actually carry carry more science instruments or more supplies for for human precursor missions, habitats. those sorts of habitats, those sorts of things. You're not tying it up okay. in in what get you or to land you there, you've got you've got more uh, resource that you can actually land on the surface. Got it. Got it. Makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. And is there any other information that uh, you or Kim want to um, add for the listeners so that they can find out more information about the LDSD experiment? 
one thing that I thought your listeners might want to know, since you're getting snippets of it, is just have Ray walk you through the whole entire flight profile and what it took to get, you know, from the takeoff of the balloon to the landing of the vehicle in the ocean. It's it's just really a heavily choreographed effort that takes a lot of people to do that. So I don't know if they can understand until you hear it all how complex it actually is. Yeah. Um, I think I mentioned okay. some of this earlier with a little more, more detail. Um, there's a whole crew that operates the, the balloon uh, that this system is launched from. These are huge, huge, multi-million cubic foot helium balloons that are used for other purposes, not just what we used it for, but for launching scientific payloads up into the stratosphere, um, some astrophysics and, and astronomy packages that need to get up above most of the atmosphere, but not all of it. And so we utilize okay. those crews. Um, to to operate the balloon. And being a balloon launch, we're very um, at the mercy of the weather and winds. They have to be just right to not carry the balloon and the, and the vehicle itself over uh, habit, uh, habitable areas. Um, and so there, there's a lot of constraints on that, that, that govern when we can launch. And so we're at the mercy of the weather there. But once the balloon is launched, it goes up to about 120,000 feet. Um, at which okay. time the uh, the vehicle is dropped, and immediately thereafter the solid rocket motor is ignited, uh, which takes the vehicle up to about 180,000 feet and up to Mach 4. Okay. Um, after, after reaching that, uh, shortly thereafter, the, the SIAD-R on this flight was deployed at um, about Mach 3.5, I believe, and then after okay. the, the, vehicle, after the vehicle stabilized um, there and slowed down to about Mach 2.2, the uh, parachute was deployed. <clears throat> and had everything operated um, properly, the parachute would have then carried the vehicle down to a, a ocean landing some 40 miles, I believe, downrange from, uh, from where it was released from the balloon. And then all of that, all of that, the, the balloon that, that took it up um, is actually after it drops the vehicle, the balloon is, uh, there, a tear is ripped in it so that the balloon will come down. It lands in the ocean. That was retrieved. The parachute, the vehicle, um, and all of the technologies were then recovered from the ocean uh, by a recovery team that was run out of, um, out of the islands as well. Wow. And, and right okay. now, all of that. Data is being and being analyzed by the uh, the technologists and engineers um, at uh, the Jet Propulsion Laboratory and, and elsewhere. Okay, okay, great. And and is it any videos um, online somewhere that we can actually see uh, part of this experiment? Yes, I, I have the, in fact, we have the whole commentary of the day of actually the test. So I can send that to you, and we've released okay. the video, the high-definition <clears throat> video as well. But I can send you a link to that video of the test that occurred that day. Okay. Okay, great. That is awesome. That is awesome. And um, can you can one of you guys give me the information where – the where my listeners can go and find out more about the LDSD experiment. Yeah, I'll let Kim yeah. Kim address that with you. Yeah, that's uh, www.nasa.gov/ldsd. 
L low density accelerator, just LDSD. Okay, and then um, there, I'm and I'm actually on the site now. So there, guys, you can see it's a fact sheet. The press kit uh, actually have information about the launch status updates, the tweets. It's a whole bunch of information. So make sure you go there so that you can find out what's going on with the LDSD project slash experiment. Um, is there any other information you want to give to the listeners before we sign off? Well, in the TDM realm, I think they're going to have some more flights and, and um, experiments coming up this year that Ray can talk to. Yeah, we have actually two more of our projects will be flying, and these will be actually going into space. Um, they're currently scheduled to go um, uh, into space, actually on the same launch vehicle, which is not typical, okay. but in September of 2016. And that Great. is the uh, Deep Space Atomic Clock and the uh, Green Propellant Infusion Mission, uh, both of which uh, there's also information on those projects at um, www.nasa.gov slash TDM. Can they get to those other yes. projects? Yep. If you go to slash TDM, which is, is um, Technology Demonstration Missions, uh, there are links to all of our projects uh, from that site as well. Uh, the, the Deep Space Atomic Clock, the Green Propellant Infusion Mission, LDSD, and... Uh, and four other uh, missions that are currently in our portfolio. Okay. Okay, great. And I'm on the site now. I'm going through it now as we're talking. <laughs> so I'm definitely, after we're finished, I'm going to take a look at this. Please, guys, keep me posted so that I can let the listeners know. Like, I've been getting a lot of feedback from the, the day that I talked to Kim and I posted you were going to be on the show, too, even about this weekend, um, I still have a few more pictures that I haven't yet posted, but everyone's like, oh, my God, tell me about NASA. Like, oh, my God, you were with NASA. Like, they're, they're really, they're more, I don't know if I can say they're more excited than me, but they are definitely excited and want to know more about it. So I want to continue to educate my listeners about what's going on with NASA and in space and on Earth with the project that you're doing so I thank you guys for calling in today and telling us about the LDSD experiment. That's been my been my pleasure. Yeah. Uh, and one parting note, since uh, we kind of started this discussion with uh, with the space station, uh, for your information, here in Huntsville, it should be flying over, and it's about a I think about a four minute duration at eight forty five tonight. Okay. And if you look west about 22 degrees above the horizon. So it'll be kind of low on the horizon, but if you've got a clear view, uh, it'll be to the west at about 845 tonight. West at 845. Okay, so I will be front and center, okay? <laughs> front and center. All right. Well, thanks for the information, Raymond. Thank you again, Kim, um, for calling in, and I will talk to you all soon. Thank you. Great. Thank you. Thanks for having us. It's been a pleasure. No problem. Have a great evening. Thank you. You too. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Yes, yes, yes. That was an awesome interview with Mr. Raymond French and Kim Newton over at NASA to talk to us about the LGSD experiment, I learned a lot, and if you listen, listen to the whole show, I'm sure you learned a lot as well. They gave you the website to go to. 
Um, it's NASA.gov, and one of the uh, links, you can go NASA.gov slash TDM. I'm actually on that site now with the technology demonstration missions. And um, also you can go to NASA.gov slash LDSD, and you can find out about the LDSD experiment. But that's been our time, and I thank you guys for listening to the show. It's your amazing, amazing host, Confident Miss Bling. I'm signing off, Bling Radio.